You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Hopefully you've got a scripture with you. I invite you to turn to Judges chapter 13. Judges 13, we're going to be looking at the entire chapter and I'm going to read it to us in just a minute as you're on your way there. I want to show you one picture from last week. Had some good ones. Check them out on the doorways on your way out. They're through the left. This one's from Wesley, right? Wesley, okay. This is Wesley. Herbranson turned this in last week and we were talking last week about those minor judges with a major God and one of them happened to be Abdon. And there's a couple pictures of a bunch of Abdon's donkeys, 70 of them. This one has some of them. Maybe there's 70 in there. No, is the uh, kids and the donkeys, 40 sons, 30 grandsons, 70 donkeys. And God continued to save through those judges and continued to work. And we're going to see him at work as we continue now, really in the life of Samson. And uh, we'll look at this over the next couple of weeks. So hopefully you're, you found Judges 13. And let's, let's read this chapter and read God's Word to us this morning, hear from Him. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, The man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? What is his mission? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. 
For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask for your guidance as we come once again to your word. You are holy and mighty. You are infinite. You are eternal. And yet you have spoken to us by your word. You've given us your word. What a gracious gift this is. Help us to understand what we're about to study and look at. Lord, may it be your word. May it be your glory. May it be your honor that comes through whatever is spoken by a weak preacher. And may you be honored amongst your people. May we be a people who honor you and do what you've called us to do and love you and worship you. We pray you guide our time together. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you kids or young at heart, kids, if you've, if this has ever happened to you, if you've ever approached a brother or a sister before and you've tried to tell them to do something, you need to do this thing. Like you've tried to tell your brother or sister, it's time to do the dishes. Or you tell them after church and they're waiting around, you say, hey, it's time to go. And some of you might respond in this way. Your brother or your sister might respond and say, did mom or dad tell you to say that? Or, right? or what do they want to know? Who, who gave the order for this command? Who's behind this? Did mom say this? Because it matters. If mom or dad said, do the dishes, that matters more than if so-and-so brother and sister said, do this or that. And so you'd be wise. If mom or dad said it, you'd be wise to get going or get on the dishes or whatever it it is. In our text today, in, in a somewhat similar way, we've got a question coming from Manoah. Not, not in an angry or I don't, I don't think even doubting way, but some questions that come from this character named Manoah. And I'd summarize them as two questions that he's asking in our text. Number one is, what do we do? That's one of the questions he's got in his mind. It's actually a prayer what do we do? And then the other question, I think, leads, lends towards who's the one asking? Who's the one commanding? 
Who's the one speaking? So there are also two questions for us, essential questions for us in our walk with God. Who, who does the word of command, where, who, who does this come from? And then what, what does God ask of us? And so the foundation of any of the command is who is the one commanding? Let's look back to our text and just kind of work through this as we work through this passage. I'll read some of it. I'll summarize some of it as we just work through again chapter 13. And we come once again to a familiar setting. You could have all just kind of guessed this. If you've been paying attention, we've gone through Judges. What happens to Israel after the Judges die? Once again, they're back in evil. The cycle of corruption and consequence comes to this last, not the last judge, but the last judge in this book as we look at this. And here it's one of the longest oppressions. I counted the longest in this book. 40 years from the Philistines. 40 years in the hand of the Philistines. And so Israel, once again, they're lost in evil. Their corrupt hearts have led them astray. And notice here, who's given them over to the enemy? The Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines. I think that's significant just to pause for a minute and think on. He gave them, the consequence of sin is give, being given into the hand of the Philistines. What does that also tell us? God did it. God gave them into the hand. Uh, it's the God who gave them. It's also the God who will save them in the end. God is at work even in the midst of this oppression, 40-year oppression of the Philistines. And I think we ought to, if we don't, see aspects in this world that's crumbling around us, even in our present day. Certain nations gaining strength, other nations faltering. And we're in a world of threats and fear or a world of just change that's going on. And yet here we acknowledge once again the sovereign hand of our Lord. It's, just a, it's a simple wording here. The Lord gave and the Lord is at work sovereignly. Nothing happens outside of His will, outside of His hand. We may not understand it all. It may not be comfortable to live in at all. And yet, what a comfort it is. What We can say it's well with my soul, not because the news looks like it's settling down or Things look like they're back to order. It's well because God is forever well. He's forever sovereign. His hand is good and righteous and everything He does is good. And there's peace because of who God is. Alright, well, that's verse 1. The evil situation. And now the text is going to take us to this man named Manoah and his wife. By the way, she just... She's never named. It's just Manoah's wife. So I won't make up a name for her. That's just who she is. Manoah's wife. And verse 2 tells us the condition of their home. And we find there in verse 2 that she's barren and can have no children. She kind of falls in line with a lot of other women of the Bible you could think of. Either way, it's a devastating situation. It's devastating now for those that want to have children and cannot. It was devastating back then. This is a big deal. Even comparatively, who we just saw of Abdon, who has was a 40, 40 children, 
30 grandchildren. Did I get that right either way? Yeah, 40 sons, 30 grandsons. And now we come just kind of a, comes to a stop and Manoah's wife has no children, no offspring. But an angel of the Lord appears in this condition and, and so announces something. And that, look at verse 3 here. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. The last angel we saw in this book was with Gideon. There was an announcement. Here the angel comes now to come to announce to one who is barren, and that one will conceive and bear a son. And if you're hearing some similarities to the New Testament, I'm with you on hearing some similar things of an angel appearing and saying, you'll conceive and bear a son. We hear that in Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who is barren and of old age. And so John the Baptist is born. And as well, we hear it in the birth of Jesus. In our, as we're, com- we're coming closer, right? Christmas account and, and that sort of thing. We hear him with Joseph and Mary. They're going to bear, we know this already, Samson. Samson's the child to be born here. And Samson's life, like, like Christ, would end in a death to save the people from the Philistines. However, Samson's life, unlike Christ, is going to be marred by compromise. And we'll see that. Jesus' life, flawless. And Jesus, He would too die to save His people from their sins, but what would happen? Jesus would rise again from the dead and He would save His people for eternity. So I think we've got some shadows here. Beyond that, I'm not clear. I haven't studied it out. But I think there's, a, there's at least some shadows of a coming Messiah and a coming Savior. We'll see some other shadows too. But here... Whatever the case, something big is happening to an oppressed for 40 years type of Israel, and that is the barren one is going to give birth. Now look at verses 4 and 5 and the rest of the instruction of the angel. So verse 4, Therefore be careful, and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Two things presented here at this point. One, the child is to be consecrated as a Nazarite. Look at that in a second. Secondly, he will save Israel. We already talked about that. As far as being a Nazarite, this meant, in in one case, this boy is not going to get any haircuts. That's part of what being a Nazarite was. Mostly we find information about this in Numbers chapter 6. And we find in there, in number six, the basic premise of the Nazarite was one who would be separated, you think of consecrated to God. One separated himself to God. It was a Nazarite vow one would take. And so most of number six, if you want to, you can look it up later, deals with the Nazarite and, and these restrictions on the one that's taking this vow. And, the, and they show up here in what we see of the restrictions for Manoah's wife. Here's what you shouldn't be drinking. Here's what you shouldn't be eating, that sort of thing. And as we study Samson, we're going to come back to this because in his life, it can be argued, and this is not original with me, but it can be argued Samson breaks every one of the Nazarite, the vows that take place. We'll look at that as we look more into his life. Today, we're looking more at his birth and this presence of this angel of the Lord here. But let us not also, thinking of Nazareth, just miss 
this birth announcement. God is graciously saving His people once again. A people who have committed great evil, He has seen it with His eyes, evil in the sight of the Lord, and now He's going to send a deliverer. And the Lord is orchestrating someone to save. It's grace. Wonderful grace. And so Manoah's wife, having heard all this, she comes to her husband and finds him in verses 6 and 7. I won't read it, but there she describes the appearance of that angel. Very awesome, she says. And then she prefaces the message. She says this, I don't know where he was from and I don't know his name, but I'm going to have a son. And this son is to be a Nazarite from the womb to the grave. Here we're not told, right here, we're not told Manoah's response to his wife, but having heard all this, now Scripture records a prayer. So she's come and told him this, and now he prays. Look at verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. It's almost here as if Manoah had heard his wife, but at the same time, he heard nothing of what she had to say. Wives don't take this moment to go like that. Sometimes that might just happen. You don't, there's your wife maybe saying a lot and not hearing what she said. She's, his wife has told him everything of what they're to do. Now, it's not a lot, but there's what she's, she conveys what they're to do. There's no strong drink. There's, there's nothing unclean. That means you know, certain animals God set apart for His people. Don't eat these like the pig or the camel or just swarming things. There's, there's a list of them. Don't eat that. No strong drink. He needs to be a Nazarite. So God had explained it to Manoah's wife. I think Manoah's wife passed it on, and yet Manoah here is praying again, Lord, uh, so what do we do? What are we supposed to do with this child? And yet God is gracious in the next verses, 9 through 11, He comes. He does come again. He comes to the woman first, and then the woman, Manoah's wife, comes and gets him. Hey, the guy's he's in the field. Come out. Come see him. And so Manoah comes out, comes out to meet him. And now we come to verse 12, and Manoah's got another question. But interestingly, see if you can see how the question has changed. Look at verse 12 now. Jump down to 12. Manoah said to this this man, this man of God. Now, when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? What is his mission? Did you catch that? The question changes. It changes from what do we do? Now, Manuah's asking, what's his mission? What's, you know, what's the child going to do? What's, what's going on in his life? To which the angel answers, we're going to read this, and he doesn't answer the second question. He goes back to the first one. And Manoah's first prayer will be answered here from the Lord. Look at verses 13 through 14. And just see if this sounds familiar. Verse 13, And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. 
So the messenger answers this first question, what are we to do with this child? And he simply says, essentially, the woman shall do what I already told her to do, what I already commanded. It's the same thing, and it's repeated. What he said to the woman, repeated to the husband. There's, there's nothing new here. Manoah wants to know, what do we do? And the Lord's answer, it's, re- it's really simple. Do what I've commanded. This is what I've said. Here's what you're to do. Do it. Manoah, he doesn't have all of Samson's life in front of him, everything there to do, but he has this, and they're pretty simple. Do what I've said. And so God's words are be- to be kept by those whom he has spoken to. I think there's application here for us as we just think on this a little bit before moving on. It just, in, in this, there's just a lot of verses, and, and we see a lot of repetition in this. The application for us, what God says for us to do is to simply go do it. Go, go obey. You, you don't have to remember everything in a day, but in a day like today or tomorrow or on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, and you face a certain issue or you face a certain circumstance or a certain question or a certain, certain person, right there, that's the opportunity to believe and obey. Obey is really acting out belief, but to believe and obey and do what God has already commanded to do. It's the small things. God's not giving Manoah and his wife, you ask what to do, here's 500 pages. I would recommend start at page one, you know, get it all down. God has given us much of what to do and He gives us His Spirit to show us the call is what He simply laid out is to do it. It's a couple things. Be faithful. Be faithful to obey. That's kind of the first part and now there, I think there's some sort of, there's a shift here. And I believe the shift is going to reveal the one behind, the one asking, the one commanding. Manoah's going to come face to face with that one. Look at now verses 15 and 16. Because Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. And, and the, the, the author helps us. says, for Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. One writer points out just some of the typical hospitality that was given in this day. And I think it's a lot, a lot more involved and a lot more, as this author refers to, leisurely in terms of the hospitality uh, offered to guests. And here he says, Manoah's request was typical of the hospitality of the Israelites and other similar groups. He goes on to say, the sharing of a meal in the ancient world was a solemn act of fellowship. And yet this angel would not be detained. He, he wouldn't stick around for the bread. He says, if you, if you want to do something with that young goat, go ahead and offer it to the Lord. That's what you can do with that. And, and I think here this angel of the Lord, I think the Lord, as we looked at before, an angel, is it messenger, is it the Lord? It, we'll see. I think we've got the Lord here. I think he's preparing to reveal himself to Manoah. I won't eat, offer it. There's a revelation coming. He's going to shine before Manoah so that this father would know who the one calling was. So look at verse 17. 
And Manoah then said to the angel of the Lord, here's, here's another question. What's your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. I think Manoah, I think he believes this is a man of God, believes his words. He, he wants to know, what's your name? Who, who are you? To which the angel then responds with this, some beautiful words in verse 18. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? seeing it is wonderful. Wonderful. When you hear that word wonderful, maybe you think of Isaiah 9, 6, where it talks, there's the same word there to describe another child to be born, a Messiah to come who would be called wonderful. It's the same, same wording, same Hebrew word. Alfred Edersheim says, of this name of wonderful, seeing it as wonderful. What about this name, wonderful? He says this, Such names refer not to the being and nature of the Messiah, but to His activity and manifestation, not to what He is, but to what He does. What, is, what wonderful things do we see being done in this passage? We see the barren one giving birth. We see the oppressed to be delivered by one to save. And we're going to see in a minute, here, this gray shower to show who the one is calling. God does wonderful things, and He's going to show this wonder to Manoah and his wife as we look at verses 19 through 20. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. Now, in my ESV, it says, to the one who works wonders. If you're in a different version, it's probably going to read something like, and he performed wonders. So he offered on the rock to the Lord, maybe who performed wonders or who, who was about to do a wondrous thing, something along those lines. I'll comp- finish the verse. And Manoah and his wife were watching. Here they are. They're, they're, just, they're watching this offering, watching it burn. And then verse 20, And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching and they fell on their faces to the ground. The one who commands is the wonderful one. The one who commands is the Lord God Himself. And so Manoah and his wife bow in worship. And a fear grips them. A fear grips Manoah who realizes now, I think for the first time, realizes this is who I've been talking to this whole time. And it comes over him. Not, not just a man of God. I would propose the Lord Himself. Look at the response. Uh, verses 21 through 22 then. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. And just like Gideon, as Manoah comes face to face with God, he fears death. It's, it's really, there's two words for death. It's like, we are dead, dead. And, and the translation is really, we are surely dead. Like, dead, we're dead. We're dead meat. We just saw God. I think it can be difficult in, in our day or any day to comprehend this. I think the sense of awe before God is in some, some sense dulled. I mean, 
that said, I understand we live on this side of the cross. And so, in one sense, we see Jesus, deity, God, the God-man who has come. And instead of bringing death, He died Himself to purchase us by His blood that we might live with Him forever, that we might have peace with God. So, some of that, that fear has gone away. We don't need to fear it. The perfect love casts out fear. So we've been loved by Him. But we also ought to pause here. Just consider, once again, who it is we sing to on a morning like this, who it is we worship. We worship an infinitely holy and majestic God. So much holier and majestic and mighty. The Almighty. That's who we sing and pray to. And it's good for us to stop and to be, maybe even just to be silent in awe of this God. And yet here, in this fear of Manoah, there's a tender moment of husband and wife. It's pretty special. Look at this moment here of Manoah. He's so scared. Rightly so. Fearful. Just saw God. Saw face to face. Seeing God face to face. Don't live like that. But his his wife's words come as a comfort. Her basic premise is if God meant to kill us, would he have done all this? Look at how she speaks to him. Verse 23. But his wife said to him, you can you just picture the tender moment to her husband? Manoah, if the Lord had meant to kill us, He would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. God's grace and wonder had come to this couple. It's a tender moment for her to comfort her husband. God had not meant to kill. He came to announce. Good news. The birth of Samson. Deliverers coming. Came to show His wonders. There goes the angel. Who were we talking to? God Himself. And He accepts the burnt offering. And God's grace in this, not to kill, but to show all these things and announce all these things, His grace continues today. His grace today continues even in a world as evil as it may be. His grace has raised once again today a heat lamp we call our sun for our world. He's raised that again for us to be gracious. He's given us rain and seasons. His grace has been upon us. His grace has allowed us today to gather together to fellowship with one another. And it's His grace that opens our eyes to see Jesus, to see our Savior. It's wonderful. It's matchless. It's His grace. It's His wonderful grace. And so it comes about, we've got the last verses 24 and 25, that indeed Samson, if you want to say it in the Hebrew, I think it's Shimshon, something like that, but Samson works. Samson, we know him as Samson. He's born. And he grows, and the Lord blesses him. Again, I kind of, you know, we kind of hear some of those similar stories of the, of the perfect Messiah, the perfect deliverer to come, but he grows, and the Lord blesses him. And the Spirit of the Lord here begins to stir him. And so, 
Over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to look at, his, his life. And as one commentator says, his life is like a mirror to Israel. It, it mirrors the life of Israel, good and, and bad, really. It's going to stand as a mirror. I want to close us just with two questions for you today. Growing out of the text here, question number one. Maybe it's familiar. I'm sure I've asked even before for each of our hearts, but it's for your heart to examine. What is God asking you to do? What is He asking you to obey today? And today it could be something super small. It's not go. He's asking us to save the world. He sent a Savior. So go go tell the world about that Savior. But what is He asking you today to do? Even some small thing or big. And I want to encourage you as I I speak to myself that we not play games with God's commands. We see them as commands. You may not have read all of the Bible, and yet you know, you know in many cases, you know what to do. Maybe not everything, but you know for this particular thing, this is what I'm supposed to do. My encouragement is then to go do it. Not wait. Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, "I've, I've revealed what you're to do. Now do it. And obey what god has made clear obey obey what's before you today we don't know tomorrow tomorrow's obedience is for tomorrow today what he has given what has he given monday tuesday and so forth what's he asking you to do that's one takeaway the other one within that command and within that obedience remember the one who commands remember who is behind the asking and the telling the deliverance who gives this command Who's asking? It's the one to whom Manoah and his wife bowed to the ground in awe and fear. That's the one who gives the command. He's the one that does wonders. And he's the same one that's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That one, that one who has delivered is the one asking commanding so i'd encourage you listen to this wonderfully gracious god a god who speaks words of command he speaks words of salvation listen to this gracious god in a barren land let's pray together lord sometimes there are big commands there are big things we must do there are big things to wrestle with and, and to discern your will on certain things. And there are a million things that you've simply given us guidance to do. And we might be hesitant to do them. Lord, for the small things or big things of today and this week in your people, would you help us to be obedient people, obedient children? Obedient. We've been brought from the domain of darkness, we've been transferred. We're now sons of the kingdom. So Lord, help us to live like we are sons of the King. Help us to listen. And Lord, where we don't want to listen, where we don't want to hear that word of command, we'll do the other ones, not that one. Lord, give us the strength to obey, to encourage us. And Lord, may we encourage those around us. May this body be a body of believers that encourages one another. Hold fast. Follow the Lord. Even if it means death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, may we live for you, Jesus.
and follow you, even if it's costly. I don't know what that looks like for our day today. Maybe it's just a small little cost. Maybe it's big. Guide us in that. And guide us, Lord, as well as your people to have a reverence and awe for you. Would you just grow, Bethany Bible, this place to be a place where we worship the God of wonders, the wondrous God of the universe and beyond, the infinitely wondrous God. Lord, keep us from worship of ourselves or looking at how good we're doing or how well this is going. May we focus on you and your son, Jesus Christ. Protect us, Lord. been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.